0: My name is Zakir, and you are listening to the Living Legacy Podcast. I am a brand cultivating strategist, a cancer survivor, and a camera saved my life. In this podcast, we'll be sharing stories of the very connections that I have as a professional photographer, featuring women that I admire, that run businesses, and our wives, entrepreneurs, they're also parents, and lo and behold, you never know, I may interview some of my favorite men. In this podcast, you will learn about professionalism, you'll learn about business, you'll learn about travel, not just to any of the popular places in France, but even African travel, as well as how to deal with the highs and lows of life and marriage. I have traveled to 10 countries so far, and now it's my turn to teach you and inspire you to step outside of your country zone. Nemat. Rabubi is a South African Muslima, which means female Muslim. She is also an author, copy editor, blogger, and radio presenter. We met in a Facebook group called Muslimah Bloggers. Just like the Jews stick together, I firmly believe that the Muslims uh, should stick together. So it had been my goal all 2019 to really connect more with my fellow Muslim women. So we first also, I found out about her, there was a Twitter chat that most of my bloggers was doing. And as soon as I saw that she was from South Africa, I got really excited because I too had the opportunity to visit South Africa in 2016. In the podcast, she talked about, you know, South Africa. She talked about uh, what helped her and what didn't help her um, to get out of the dark place. You know, it's this dark place that we all have to go through at some point in our lives. That's the only way we can really truly find our light, find our purpose in this life. She will also talk more about her books and also about the writing process. You'll also learn how, where you can find her on the web. Because this podcast episode is released during our holy month of Ramadan, which is the holy month of fasting, we also kind of have a little conversation about the similarities and the differences of. Um, the Holy Month in South Africa versus America. She firmly believes in the power of writing. She believes that writing has the ability to educate, create stronger connections in people. She's very passionate about creating awareness around mental illness and spiritual struggles as she too had to go through them, or as I like to say, grow through them in order to go through them. She had to lose herself in order to find herself, but she found herself in her writing. She's very young, but she would not know this from the interview because she's so wise beyond her years, and she was able to find her papers at a very young age. So, assalamualaikum. alaykum, PP with you. How are you, Nima?
1: Wa alaikum alhamdulillah, how are you?
0: <laughs> I'm good. So, thank you so much for being my podcast guest.
1: Ah, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So,
0: um, tell me more about you
1: okay uh well there's not that much that's interesting about me really um the main interesting thing about me is that i write um I've written two books so far, and I have a blog that i update i try to update monthly at least um and yeah i am a huge believer in fiction as a tool um in terms of writing just because I started writing i started writing I started reading and writing when I was really really young, and I think that that's Impacted my entire future from then to now. I started when I was five, I believe, and um, just the hobbies that I picked up, the way that I did in school, um, and the way that I speak to other people, the way that I empathize and understand other people. I think that's all been informed by, you know, reading and writing. And so I just think that it's incredibly, incredibly powerful, and we should nurture that. Okay. So, what
0: really um, inspired you to start writing?
1: Um. Okay. So, the books that I've I've been writing for a long time, I never actually finished any kind of writing piece until about two years ago. That's the first time that I uh, wrote a novella and actually finished it. And that was the first time that I actually tried using characters who were like me, Muslim people who were dealing with the same kinds of situations that I was, who were in a setting that was, you know, in South Africa, so people who I almost identified with. And I, I found it really, really powerful to have characters who are like me and to be so interested in them and connected to them. And I think that just has been my motivator since then to have characters who are very, very much like me, and, and instead of being very, very different and other.
0: So you have um, written and published a book, is that right?
1: Yes, I have published two, alhamdulillah.
0: so which, tell me more about those.
1: Okay, so the first one is called Chains of Fear, and it's a romantic drama that's, it's almost, I would say, a little bit of a, rewriting a stereotypes of the traditional mother-in-law and daughter-in-law relationship and um there's a huge culture in south africa of you know marrying quite young and having that kind of family-driven life and i just wanted to sort of change up that narrative a little bit and so i wrote chains of fear which is a very cute charming love story if i would i first say so myself and it's also about the struggles that you can face you know at the beginning of marriage and trying to integrate into a new family and then I wrote *The Art of Mutual Destruction*, which was my second book, um, about six months after that. And uh, that one is a bit more drama-filled. It's uh, it's about um, it's about characters who think that they're beyond redemption, and uh, about you know this mafia family or these two mafia families who are fighting against one another. And then those characters and I found it very, very interesting to write because, you know, you don't really see from the viewpoint of murderers and and uh, thugs and thieves and things like that and those kinds of redemption stories uh, when you're when you're reading a science fiction. So I just really, really wanted to write about that, and it's really about that arc of redemption for those characters.
0: Okay. Very nice. So, let's see. You are, I don't know if people know much about different cities in South Africa. So can you talk more about South Africa, sign a good light on South Africa?
1: (laughs) Okay, um, well, South Africa is um, the parts of South Africa that I'm in. A very, very city and metropolitan, but I've been to both rural and urban South Africa. And I think that one thing that people don't really realize is that there's such a huge divide in the country. I mean, there are statistics about how a very large uh, number of the population are below the poverty line and things like that, but it doesn't, it doesn't really seem to sink in that while there are, you know, the stereotypical rural, um, there are cows everywhere and that kind of thing there are those kinds of um, farmlands in South Africa. There are also these huge cities where it's just as metropolitan as something you'd see in the Western world in terms of going to, you know, New York, or London or somewhere like that. And South Africa is really, it's almost a country full of contradictions because of that, because we've got, you know, we've got this huge divide and we're su- such a young country in terms of independence because apartheid has only ended less than 25 years ago and so we're we're a very young country with a lot of really passionate people and we're just trying to recover from the past at the moment. Okay
0: so where else have you gotten to travel to?
1: Uh, So I traveled when I was really really young and I don't remember where I traveled to in terms of making actual memories. All I know is what I got from my family that we went to Egypt and we went to uh, Mozambique and then we also went for Umrah, which and I got to experience Mecca and Medina. But I remember none of that. The only traveling that I really rem- remember and have good memories of is traveling within South Africa. Um, so I've been to um, the rural parts of South Africa and Port Elizabeth because I studied at a town called Brownstown. And um, it's a really, really little town over there because there's a university and that's basically the entire urban aspect of that town. And the rest of it is very, very farmland. So it was really, really interesting to go to. And then I've been to Cape town and Johannesburg and I loved Cape town so much. It's so beautiful there. And there are just, it's really, really lovely to see all the history that's there because, um, Robin Island is in Cape town. uh, Well, in Cape town is over there in the Western Cape. Um, And that's where, you know, Nelson Mandela was imprisoned, and you get to see all of that lovely history. Um, It's been a while since I've been back there, but it's always so fascinating to me to be able to be so close to history.
0: Yeah, I think when I went in 2016, they were, uh, well, I didn't get to take the ferry itself to Robbins Island, but I was there at the port, and they were just, you know, they're rebuilding it, renovating it, expanding it, however, even then in 2016. So what has, what have you learned from the writing process? Um,
1: I think from going from a reader to a writer and a very passionate reader that I I just noticed by being a writer that there's a lot that doesn't go into the final version of a book. There's a lot that you know about the characters and about the story that you can't really tell because it doesn't fit in. But that doesn't mean that it's not there. And there's all of this lovely backstory and all of this little nuance in uh, the interactions that you have with your characters and might not come across to a reader. And that might be why a reader still has questions at the end of the day, but it's just, it's not because the story hasn't been fully formed or that there's a plot hole. It's just because sometimes it doesn't fit to be able to tell the reader what's in your head. So that was really interesting for me to realize.
0: So, what was the most difficult thing about um, just writing in general?
1: Um, so my books are fairly emotional. Um, there's an attempted rape scene in the one. There's attempted suicide. There's all those, all those kinds of things, and those really emotionally charged scenes are incredibly difficult to write for me because there's almost um, I almost get physically drained by writing them. I think that's the most difficult thing for me to just be start writing then continue through to through to the ending in one sitting or a couple of sittings rather than stop and lose the emotion
0: yes yeah now what would you say <laughs> originally stopped you from releasing either one of your books
1: um so my first one I didn't think that I was qualified almost because I was I was quite young at the time I was it's been almost two years I was just I just turned 21 I think or yeah and I just thought that I wasn't I wasn't there yet in terms of you know progression I thought that okay you're gonna you're gonna write a book and then you're gonna publish it but it's gonna be in five or ten years something like that I didn't think that at the time this story was something that people would want to read and thankfully that changed, and now it's there, and people do seem to like it, alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now I'm going to
0: jump on a bit, but for those who are watching this YouTube video, they're probably asking, why do we only see her eyes? Do you want to tell <laughs> us more about that?
1: Okay, so the niqab, which is what I'm wearing at the moment, is something that is not required of all Muslim women. Um, So it's not like the hijab where you're required to wear it and things like that. That's why you see far less women having their face covered. Um, And the niqab is just basically, it's a, I wouldn't even say recommended, but it's something that people can do women can do in terms of expressing their faith. And for me, the reason that I choose to do it is because it's a very tangible expression of my faith. And it's, it's a very clear sign that I am a Muslim woman who is choosing to observe this. And um, it's almost, for me, it's almost like any other recommended deed, which is part of the sunnah of uh, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who is the Prophet of Islam. Um, so for me, it's that certain people choose to earn good deeds by giving extra charity or by, you know, um, doing extra physical worship. And I choose to do this as a way of, um, as a way of pleasing God.
0: Right, and so if, um, if there's anyone who wants to learn more about uh, the religion of Islam itself, I also share my experience in the previous podcast episode. So you can go to my website, com and learn more about that. So um, what helps you day to day with um, your writing process? Because sometimes we do get writer's block. Um,
1: Definitely. Um, So writing process day to day, what I really like to do is um, indulge in different writing challenges. So there's the 10 word stories challenge that's very popular or just um, using different writing prompt generators, things like that. It's just a way for me to keep that sense of creativity because not always when you're writing a novel, do you feel that sense of creativity? Um, There is that initial spark for me, but 90% of writing a novel is not that spark of creativity. It's just chipping away at the initial idea that you had. Um, and I really, really like to be able to keep that creativity and that excitement alive in different ways and in different, maybe even different stories to make sure that I'm still excited about writing when I'm getting to my novel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: Now, what would be your, um, what would be your advice for those who are wanting to release a book, publish a book, or even just get their writing out there somehow, somewhere, on some format.
1: Okay, so if you've if you want to get your writing out there, then I'm assuming that you've got a novel, or you've got an idea at least. And the the most important thing that I can say is feel confident enough to keep pitching. Um, it's amazing if you've got the ability to get to a literary agent, pitch to them, and um, speak to them, and then also there are so many circles and so many support groups that are out there and I mean you can find them via Facebook you can find them in real life um, in libraries and things like that just find a set of people who are doing the same sort of thing that you are perhaps in the same genre or perhaps pitching the same kind of you know woman of color stories or anything like that and just get that confidence in your your writing. And if you're shy about maybe showing it to literary uh, literary agents or things like that, look in these circles for other people who are willing to give you good critiques and willing to give you advice in exchange for you doing the same for them. That'll really, really help build up your confidence. Even if you've gotten to a point where you're confident and you know that you've got the next big thing, um, these kinds of circles are really, really helpful. And they're almost they're gold mines for people who are a bit more experienced and are very, very willing and eager to mentor newer writers because they were mentored in the same way when they were starting out. So definitely find a good circle and find a good network. I
0: love it. I love it. Now, where can we find your books and you on the web?
1: Okay, so um, I blog at theimperfectmuslima.com, so you can find me there. And then my books are available on Amazon under Niamh Rababee, so you can find them there as well. Perfect. Perfect. Well,
0: I think you are wise beyond your years.
1: (laughs) Thank you you very much.
0: Age is nothing but a number, but you know, even just listening to you and looking at you in the video version, uh, you know, people wouldn't even know your age. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me again.
0: And I guess I could say Ramadan Mubai.
1: Ramadan oh, Mubarak to you too. I can't believe it's coming up so fast. It's yeah, I know. a month.
0: And we're halfway through the, the middle of the year, but that's the thing now. Like As soon as the middle of the year approaches, we mm-hmm. you know uh, Ramadan is coming. The holy month is coming.
1: <laughs> I think for, for me, Ramadan is almost an escape from the rest of the year. It's so much more peaceful. There's this beautiful atmosphere in the air and it's just it's amazing.
0: And it's not even about like, you don't even miss the food because you're so focused on spiritual food.
1: So. Definitely. <laughs> um, and, well, I don't know about you, um, where you are, but in South Africa, um, it's almost it's almost a relief for me to be able to just not focus on that kind of thing. But there's, a, there's a huge trend in South Africa to be very ostentatious about um, iftar parties and Siri and things like that. And there are people who wake up um, uh, just before um, you know the uh, before measure for uh, the before dawn meal and cook at that time just start preparing a meal wake up an hour early and that to me is a little bit insane but um, yeah I like the fact that the day isn't revolving around food for us because so often it, it does you know you get up in the morning okay what's for breakfast and then you go to work and then your colleagues are talking about okay what's for lunch and then it just takes up so much of your time and you can do it. You can do so much more valuable things at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean here,
0: the days are longer, the temperature is higher, but oh, yes. it's all the same thing. I mean, um, of course, nowadays, I feel like technology may even help us out with all these, deli- we have like food delivery companies, um, which, you know, I drive for occasionally, but obviously won't be during the Holy month. Cause that's mm-hmm. what, but um, you know, we have so many food delivery companies and I just feel like, you know, it just makes it so much easier, you know, for everyone. But I think mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, sure, like, you know, uh, cooking in the morning just makes things easier. And or even if if there's a day where, you know, I'm not fasting, for example, you know, just mm-hmm. feel the authenticity of being able to make food and save food and take it to the Moscow Mass So,
1: mm. Yeah, that's really lovely. I know um, there are a couple of people over here who just cook for the brothers who are um, at the mosque and, you know, sitting in itikaf. So that's really, really lovely. And that's a really nice way to just, you know, foster a sense of community in everyone. And there are even, I think, as far as I remember, there are going to be a couple of, you know, just community of the parties, which are very lovely.
0: Yeah.
1: So it it feels like Muslim people are just... A lot more visible and ready to connect with one another during the month so that's lovely
0: yeah yeah i mean there's no reason for ignorance to be blessed
1: <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely
0: <laughs> all right well thank you so much thank you again thank you for listening to the living legacy podcast be sure to subscribe and download so you don't miss the next episode If you want to learn more, you can visit ZakiraNayar.com. Any suggestions you have, any topics you want to discuss in this podcast, send me an email, leave a comment. And also, be sure to share with your friends and subscribe and download this podcast.